0: Reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to L.A., this is Big Sports Radio.
1: Let the games begin. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Hegley. Uh, We are off and running here on Big Sports Radio. Um, Boy, we have got so much to talk about. Later on in the hour, the Danny Sheridan is is going to join us and we can't wait to get his thoughts uh we'll talk about uh you know two major things to watch in nebraska here coming up in just a few minutes as well uh and we'll get to some of the top 10 uh, top 25 teams in action michigan at home minus not one but two coaches uh, not only harbaugh if it's a coordinator also was gone um it's suspension week in ann arbor <laughs> as they take on east carolina uh we're going to taco Ohio it as well wisconsin uh they opened the uh, 19th Team of the country against Buffalo. And the Luke Fickle era, um, you know, don't want to bust on the Badgers here, Mike. But we want to get your thoughts on opening weekend. And are the Badgers ranked too high? Uh boy, Luke Fickle, what a what an what a name he brings to this program.
2: Well, Luke Fickle has done a spectacular job uh as as head coach at Cincinnati, you know, did a or earned his way over 50 victories, you know, made it to the college football championship. Um you you can't underestimate what he's done, but I don't know that you can turn around a team of a bunch of drive blockers and then have them pass 45 times a game and expect them to be effective. Now, I guess, you know, we will see how well they do if they're running the ball and, and then Mordecai is, is accurate. They do have a very good receiving core this, this team may make some noise. If I was going to pick right now today, I would probably pick Iowa as the favorite in the West. But, um, you know, Fickle has Fickle certainly showed that while he is tied for the most losses ever in a season for an Ohio State coach, uh, he has proven to be quite the coach when he got the opportunity uh, at Cincinnati.
1: Well, we're kicking off um, you know, part of the new look TV lineup for the Big Ten. Um, the late game at 7.30 at night on NBC, that's the Big Ten slot, will be Penn State against uh, West Virginia. The 3.30 slot that has been uh, the SEC's for as long as we can remember, I mean, I, 20 years, 25 years, really, it's just been forever, uh, is now the Big Ten's, 3.30 Eastern time on CBS. And um, what a great way to kick that off. But third-ranked Ohio State taking on Indiana in Bloomington with more on the Buckeyes now. We are joined uh, by Kevin Noon with BuckeyeHuddle.com. Kevin, great to have you here as always. Uh, The Buckeyes, here we go again. Last time we talked, it was the offseason. Now you begin to answer some questions, and one was answered uh, just a couple of days ago. Who the starting quarterbacks going to be against the Hoosiers?
3: Yeah. Better late than never. On Tuesday, Ryan Day comes out and announces that it's going to be Kyle McCord, but that both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown will play for the Buckeyes. And I think that's an important note to have there because we can go through the years of Ryan Day as either offensive coordinator or head coach for the Buckeyes. And it's been a one quarterback system. And when the number two comes out there, it's putting it between the numbers of the backup running back and student body left or student body right and let's just let's be done with this and let's get on and have our post game pizza and get on with our lives. So, I think we're going to see both quarterbacks out there in Bloomington against Indiana on on Saturday and uh that's really going to be the question of where this team is going to go and what you see in week 1 is not necessarily going to be the trajectory of this team. I think anybody that's expecting either of these guys to come out and just channel their inner CJ Stroud and and be the most accurate passer in college football probably has probably some unrealistic expectations, but I don't think Ohio state's offense has to be 100% of what it was last year, averaging about 45 points a game. I think if the offense is about 80% of what it was and the defense is 20% better is, I mean, I'm not a math major, but I think that, that, that almost kind of equals things out. So we'll, 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 we'll see what happens, but, Truth be told, it's going to be about three weeks before we really know anything about this team until they go to Notre Dame.
2: Well, uh, Indiana's head coach, Tom Allen, has to wonder what he did wrong in a past life since he'll live as a trivia question for uh, what was the first NBC game, uh, you know, primetime game broadcast of the Big Ten, you know, and he lost whatever to nothing. Question for you, um, Marvin Harrison, who I feel he may not be the Heisman Trophy candidate, but in in my eyes, he may not play the most the the best position, but I think he is the best player in college football. How is he doing? You know, now after a concussion, we've seen some players. It takes a long time to get a, to get overcome them. Is he back to his old spectacular self?
3: Yeah, he's had he's had from January to here into September now to to get over that. Obviously, took a vicious hit that somehow was not targeting, and I'm sure my email is going to get hit by people. It's like, well, you let it go already. I mean, it, it, was, it, it was, I don't it, blame
2: you, Kevin. I I, I felt the same we're way. With you. We're with you.
3: It was targeting, but uh, you talk about, you know, the best player. I got in on that one. Sports wagering is legal in Ohio and I put a couple bucks down on him winning the Heisman just, you know, why not? And because he is, he is just that type of player. I mean, when we were at the uh, Woody Hayes facility on Tuesday, getting ready to record a live podcast, he was still out there with the jugs machine, catching passes, doing extra work. And this is not just a one-off type of situation. This is all the time. Nobody outworks Marvin Harrison Jr., and that's part of the reason why he's so good. Yes, he's got great genes for Marvin Harrison Sr. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. different body type, obviously than his dad has. You know, six four, a lot longer of a player, but he certainly gets a lot of the work ethic and 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 again good genes from from the family but you know for my money I've been asked about all the receivers I've seen at Ohio State from the days that I had attended Ohio State to this point and where he is and I've seen Joey Galloway I've seen David Boston I've seen Michael Thomas I've seen all the guys that are in the league right now Marvin Harrison Jr is is at the top of the list and the scary thing to think about not to not to take this away from you He is already touting the next great thing, and that'll be Carnell Tate out of out of Chicago, who went to IMG, that he may be even better than Marvin. So if if there's a receiver better than him, I'm these eyes aren't ready for it yet.
1: (laughs) That's scary. Talking (laughs) with Kevin Noon of Buckeyehuddle.com. And and you know, that's the thing why I I can't, I know everyone's, you know. I get look I get the Michigan bandwagon. Okay, I get it. You know, back-to-back Big Ten champs, back-to-back uh, college football playoffs. I I get that and 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 well-deserved kudos to you. I can't dismiss Ohio State because they're still um I think on everybody's list, one of the top 4 teams in the country, and that means you've got a shot at winning it all. And this is a team that again was just a hair away from reaching the title game last year. So, um and no matter who you have to replace Ohio State's that kind of program that again seems to find a way to replace those stars who go on to the NFL with players, like you said, that you find a way to be as good, if not better than the guy that came before them.
3: Yeah, I'm certainly seeing a lot of these uh, early season predictions, having Michigan winning the Big Ten, but still seeing Ohio State in the college football playoff. I'm not seeing a lot of people picking Ohio State to win at all. And once you get into, once you get into the 14 playoff, this being the final year of it, it's a little bit of a A lottery at that point it's matchups and everything else and it's just you know who gets who gets 50 50 balls and who gets concussed during a game and things of that nature so uh i think that ohio state still is in a great position even with a new quarterback even with three new offensive linemen even with some some things it needs to shore up on its defense ohio state is certainly going to be in the mix and yeah michigan has won the last two yeah the game is in ann arbor this year yeah they still have Donovan Edwards. They still have Blake Corum. They still have J.J. McCarthy. But I, I, you sit there and you look at what the early lines are, and it's Michigan by a couple of points, but you look at SP+, you look at FEI, you look at things there. It has Ohio State winning the game. So, you know, we'll find out. We'll find out. Ohio, I think Ohio State the last couple of years probably was the better team on paper, and Michigan was the better team on that given day. Could we see a situation of where the better team that given day ends up being the better team on paper? Uh, We'll find out. Speaking of
2: day, um, you've got coach Ryan day, who's incredible record um, with the Buckeyes. And yet if he loses a third game to the Wolverines, is he unbelievably in the minds of everybody outside of the state of Ohio? Is he in any trouble? And then the second thing is, is if he does get in trouble, do they go fickle or heartline?
3: Well, I think that you're going to even find people within the state of Ohio that are going to try to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, if they if they tank in that game, even if they make the college football playoff, I mean, because there's a big divide in terms of generationally where you put that Michigan game? When I was a student at Ohio State, Ohio State could not win those games. It was it was during the John Cooper era, and it just was one of those things. Then in comes Jim Tressel; they win it all the time. Urban Meyer never loses to them, and Ryan the <laughs> yeah. Day has has dropped the other two. So I really don't think that it's going to be that type of situation. But Ohio State is going to have a new AD next year. Gene Smith, longtime Ohio State AD, is stepping down. At the end of the the school year, essentially, and then you're going. I mean, you have a new president in Ted Carter, who's president now of University of Nebraska Systems. Uh, you're going to have a new AD in, so you wonder what may happen there. And as for which way they go, certainly, you know, certainly people are going to talk about Luke Fickle. Certainly, people are going to talk about Marcus Freeman, who's at Notre Dame, who played at Ohio State. Certainly, people are going to look at at Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline has not called a single play as a college football coach. He's supposed to be the OC this year. Time will tell if he really is. If Ryan Day is really going to give up the reins to all of that. So um, I think that in a lot of ways that Brian Hartline can be a coach in waiting, but I don't think that he's a coach in waiting for a job that would open in this scenario in twenty twenty four.
1: Certainly, do want to. You brought it up, and I did want to get your thoughts because we have not talked about with you here on the show since Gene Smith made his announcement. Um, you know, this is someone who not only has been a a major major influence. Obviously, on Ohio State athletics, but around the Big Ten and even in the NCAA. I mean, this is somebody that um, you know. I, I I was trying to when when he made the announcement, when the announcement came out, I was trying to think of an athletic director who is as respected as Gene Smith. There may be a couple out there, but none more so. I, I mean, he is a, what the class act right now when it when it comes to those uh, athletic directors around the country.
3: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I can think of a couple. I think that if you look at uh, Del Conte at uh, Texas and some others, but uh, but Gene Smith has been doing this a long time, even prior to his days at Ohio State, you know, with, with with his history at Notre Dame and elsewhere. Gene Smith has watched Ohio State maintain the largest athletic department in the nation, 36 varsity sports competing out there, just an incredibly large budget. I mean, just an incredible amount of building on campus with facilities. And they're going to be the critics that are going to be like, well, he mishandled how Ohio State handled the tat five situation and not taking a suspend or not taking a bowl ban in 2011. Did that cost him a shot of the championship in 12? But I tell people, once you get rid of this recency bias, you're going to remember Gene Smith as one of the best to ever do it.
2: I don't know how even a Michigan fan could argue against that. Yeah. You know, you, you you have a you have the mark that he has made and and Ohio State is good across the board, you know, in, in multiple sports. I mean, the, the he's built an athletic department the way he's supposed to, but I think even more is how they've adapted so strongly to the NIL world.
3: And it, it took him a little time. Ohio State is not going to be a program that's going to be out on the cutting edge. Ohio State was not the first program to have million-dollar assistance. Ohio State was not the first program to go out and have all of these analysts. Ohio State was not the first program to completely figure out NIL. But once Ohio State figures out what it wants to do, it generally does it at a high level.
1: His name is Kevin Noon. He's with BuckeyeHuddle.com, and we are thankful he's a friend of the show, always uh, coming on with insights. Ohio State, number three in the country at Indiana, 3.30 Eastern time on CBS. Kevin, uh, safe trip over to Bloomington. And uh, we know it's a busy week for you. So a little little honey and lemon with that tea.
3: (laughs) That or or maybe I'll just get myself a hot toddy or something like that. I need something a little more leaded.
1: There you go. A little bourbon (laughs) never hurt anybody, baby. All right, Kevin, thanks. Enjoy the games this weekend. Kevin Newt, again, uh, Ohio State. Check out his stuff on BuckeyeHuddle.com, the place to go. For Buckeye Sports. Still to come again, uh, it's uh, two things to watch for Nebraska. Possibly a world record. We'll talk about that as well as again, the great Danny Sheridan is on the show here in the next half hour. This is Big Sports Radio.
0: Attention business owners. Have you filed for your employee retention credit and been approved? Are you now waiting for your refund check from the IRS? Instead of waiting months to a year plus, How would you like to get your ERC money in about 10 days? Now you can. With ERCMoneyUpfront.com, we help business owners that have filed their employee retention credit and been approved to get their money faster. If you're getting between $75,000 and $5 million, we could get you up to a 70% advance on that money in about 10 days. To learn more about how you can get your ERC money faster, call this number right now. Speak with one of our funding specialists and have a text sent to your cell phone with details.
4: 800-279-0419. 800-279-0419. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. This is not a loan product except in California. An offer is not available in the state of Massachusetts.
1: Got to make sure we talk about this, uh, the Big Ten announcing that uh, they've adopted a new policy. You know, the NFL has its injury reports, right? Well, welcome to the NFL. The Big Ten's going to do the same thing. Uh, mandated, they have to, on college football game days, uh, they have to uh, provide a player availability report um, to the opposing team.
5: I, okay, here's my problem with this. As we try and clean up the, we don't want anybody to go into gambling. We don't want gambling to be something we talk about. This is about gambling. Yeah, it's just that simple. And we can so at the same time, you're trying to make sure there's integrity and there's none of these. There's not point shaving, and we're hammering Iowa and Iowa State at, for gambling things. We're gonna make sure we have an injury report so the gamblers know exactly who they're betting on. Doesn't there's it's not congruent
2: yeah it's not congruent but you know let's face it the the NFL is the world's biggest money making machine and so if you want to keep those revenue streams going to college football the injury report is going to be a great way to do that because then you have your interested parties feeling like they have their best chance to make some dollars on it now i still think even with the injury reports I don't think the casinos uh, and the books in Las Vegas are going to get any smaller. They're not going to they're not going to lose any more money, but it'll certainly make the gamblers feel like they're they're having a better chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and right now, it's not as robust as the NFL report. But as uh, one story that I read talking about this, uh, the uh, writer of the story had a great comparison, said, you know, if you give him house a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. So, uh, it feels like it's on, it's on the way, um, really sobering study that, uh, I saw on ESPN.com this week, a study that finds, um, that 40% of athletes who died before 30, 40% of them, uh, had CTE, the degenerative brain disease, um, CTE that has been uh, found in, uh, in athletes, too many athletes. This is really sobering. Um, again, these athletes dying way too young and to find that this was a factor in many of them.
5: Yeah, it's it's really this this whole study when you when you think this is uh about ne- it was a neurology study and when you see all this stuff I mean you see the depression uh the apathy um even the ones that were was as prevalent even the ones that didn't have CTE suicide was the most common cause of death in this cohort it's man it's um it's it's sobering and I just it's sad. I mean, I don't know other, any other way to put it. And you hopefully our advances in equipment and different things and safety measures will alleviate some of this moving forward. But man, this is, this is, um, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to read this and feel good about these contact and collision sports.
2: Yeah. It's, it's tough, you know, um, 152 brains, um, Is definitely a smaller study size, but thankfully, there aren't a ton of people who fall into this category where they they pass away this early. Um, It just goes to show you, you know, the brain is a very, very uh, unique organ, and you've got so much of the body's energy to keep it going. And when you have that type of contact, whether it's helmet to helmet, boxing glove to jaw, you know, soccer ball to head—it's—it's uh, it's clearly not good for people to get the brains jostled that much. And if this show doesn't prove anything, um, you know, it should show people that Brad and I have played a lot of sports, and probably too many blows to the head are not good for you. But um, I—I I, I don't I, know I what resemble you do. That remark, Mike. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what you do because these, these sports are incredibly fun for people and, um, it's obviously not everybody. Um, so I, I, I don't know what the answer is because if you, if you outlaw any sport that the head gets hit, I, I don't, you know, it takes a lot. I mean, I, badminton's not going to be a huge sport across the world. I, I, I don't know what you do about this.
0: Yeah,
1: the study conducted by Boston University, they uh, they did an examination of 152 brains, according to the story, that have been donated. Um, if you're wondering, okay, I know you're saying Larry, Brad, Mike, put this in perspective. Um, over 40% of the uh, young people, the athletes who died uh, before 30, 40% had CTE. Overall, the general population <clears throat> has less than 1%. Uh, of CTE. And so that's just how devastating this is. The good news is that this is uh, thanks to Dr. Uh, uh, Omalu. If you ever saw the movie Concussion, Will Smith played him in the movie, Uh, but he is a real life person. He's written a series of books on this. Unfortunately, he chased this down. uh, And now actually we're studying it to try to, as Mike's point, to try to figure out what, if anything, uh, can be done to try to mitigate uh, the damage and the sports that so many of us enjoy. Uh, Stay with us. Much more to come after this.
4: That's 800-613-8053. Now
0: back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio.
1: Hey, uh, all about Nebraska this week. First, let's talk volleyball. How about that record? 92,003 biggest women's sporting event crowd in world history. Guys, this was special. This was really cool.
5: Amazing. That was a sea of red in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it just goes to show that, you know, how important volleyball is in Nebraska. And also I think it's a great testament to our, our our movement to make uh, women's sports more mainstream. And, And we're starting to see that more and more. And I'm not saying you're ever going to see the same level of excitement for that you get, you know, from, the WNBA in the NBA or whatever, but this is cool. And and this just shows that the, these ladies are great athletes and they're respected. And kudos to the Nebraska fan base for showing up and showing out.
2: Yeah, I would say that Nebraska fan base proves themselves to be worthy of all the accolades that they get. Um, and and I'll tell you, it was it was amazing to see the football team you know actually get or the football program get out outdrawn by the uh, women's volleyball and and boy people look, on top of it all you know it wasn't just a stunt because it looks like people are having a great time
1: yeah yeah uh you know it's one of the few programs in the country that actually uh turns a profit i saw somewhere i think they made a million dollar profit in 2022 the nebraska volleyball program Um, And it was really cool. And by the way, we should point out, this wasn't just any football program they outdrew. It's Nebraska, where even though they haven't had the success lately that they've been used to over the years and decades past, uh, they still, you know, they drew 80,000 to the same stadium for the spring football game. And yet 92,003, and they set the record, again, biggest in the world. It was really cool. Um, Not quite as cool the next night as Nebraska football made its um, uh, debut uh, game one of the Matt Rule era. Boy, it was a snoozer of a first half. Uh, Nebraska then taking the lead and then coming up short, uh, in the end at, uh, at Minnesota.
5: It looked like the same Nebraska team. Find a way to lose at the end. I mean, you know, you, you, you're up 10 to three. You look like you're in control. Minnesota hadn't scored. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Minnesota scores on, by the way, that catch by the Minnesota wide receiver, the toe mm-hmm. drag. Yeah. The toe drag was fantastic. And then, but then Nebraska goes down, looks like they're in marching, get a field goal attempt, chance to win the game, and they throw a pick. and next thing you know they they lose and, and this just I mean, this is Nebraska football, though. I mean, this has been they they've been on this side of it for many years now. They just find a way they could they compete and find a way to lose these games that they can win. and that's why they are where they're on. and that's why they have a new coach. And Matt now I, I think he'll fix it. I do think he'll fix it.
2: But well, what a scary prospect it is for the Nebraska fans, though they 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 are seeing the same behaviors out of a out of a very experienced and and much more talented coach, uh, and they get the same luck going on. Now you're right, Brad. It's <laughs> it's early, but you know for a for a Nebraska fan, they have to be in a very delicate position right now. <laughs>
1: Well, and, and especially to your point, Mike, and you took the idea right out of uh, right out of my mouth. It was a year ago in Ireland. They were leading 28-17, rolling right along over Northwestern, and they found a way to lose. But Brad, I agree with you. Uh Matt Rule, when you look at where he's been in, in in the college ranks, Temple and Baylor, they started out slow. Uh and the question is, look, how long does it take to change a culture? Um, you know, how long does it take to to get guys to believe uh you can finish out a game and play 60 minutes? um the right way and get the win in the end
5: yeah i I think they have to learn how to win it's the same regardless you you can have a new coach but it's the same players and if they weren't winning before it's not like suddenly they there isn't i was talking to a coach about this actually today this is a great one and they literally said i can't do magic you know it has to players make plays at the end of the day and it's just that simple you gotta get the right guys
2: yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a real challenge, especially when the X factor is is while he's trying to get this team educated and and you, learning how to win. Hey, here comes USC, Washington, and Oregon. Good luck. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and UCLA too. While you're yes, at it, so yes. yeah, exactly. So just to, everyone in the Big Ten, it's going to get harder uh, in 2024. So we get an L uh, for Nebraska, 13-10. They lose in the Twin Cities uh, to open. Uh, Thursday night. Hey, stay with us. We've got the man. Danny Sheridan is up next, talking, uh, well, some of the top teams in the country, SEC, Big Ten, and more. We'll get his picks, by the way, for the final four coming up into the the year. That's next on Big Sports Radio.
0: You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy.
1: Well, we're excited now to be joined by uh, one of the legends, uh, college football. Man, he, he, experts, analysts, insider, you name it. Danny Sheridan is on the show. Danny, how are you?
7: Larry, great, and it's good to see you again, and I'm sorry you can't see my mug shot.
1: <laughs> well, I've got the image of you in my mind um, <laughs> from our, our, our days at CNN many, many years ago, more years ago than we, than we want to count. Um, right. great, great to have you on the show. Listen, I want to start with um, with SEC. Um, you know, the big question this week everyone's talking about. Um, you know, we've got two time defending champion Georgia, not Alabama, Georgia, um, national champs and going for the unprecedented three peats. Um, you know, boy, they've got things rolling down there, but one, they're in the SEC, two, they've got some new personnel. Um, how hard is this going to be for them to try to come back and, and win three in a row?
7: Well, first of all, my humble opinion. Georgia is better defensively than they were last year. Offensively, I would also say a little bit better, except for the most important position. And you know that's Larry, that's Carson Beck. Uh, They're loaded. Again, overall, they're better than last year, which is scary. Then you couple that with an easy schedule. They dropped, I believe, they were supposed to open or second game Oklahoma, something like that. And the uh, SEC said, no, you can't play Oklahoma. We'll let you play Ball State. Thank you, <laughs> but but yet they let Alabama play Texas. The so hell, I don't understand what's going on. But That's... yes, Georgia's loaded. Uh, I do think they'll lose a game this year. In fact, I'm not convinced. But if they 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 should have lost to Missouri, the 31 point favorites, Larry. And my right. point is, it's not they're bad. This conference, and you know this, Tony knows it. This conference is the toughest conference from top to bottom. Vanderbilt lost 26 games in a row, if I remember right. And what do they do? They upset Florida, and they upset Kentucky in back-to-back weeks. Here's Missouri, a 31-point underdog, I think beating Georgia by 10 points middle of the fourth quarter. Then the Missouri coach decided, hey, I'm just going to run the clock and upset them. No, you should have kept doing what you were doing. Anyway, they lost by four. And they definitely lost. When I say they definitely lost – they should have lost to Ohio State. The kid missed a 50-yard field goal. Why am I saying all this? Because you can only get up four times a year in college football if you're a good team where you play 100%. George is ready for Tennessee, and I could go on and on. But they were not ready for Ohio State. They l- looked at Ohio State, and I don't mean to ramble on about Ohio State. My point is the conference is so balanced, and when they overlooked Ohio State, hey, we're at home. Look at Ohio State; those clowns lost by. 23 points at home to Michigan, overconfident. Then Kirby got them all together, said, we should have lost that game. TCU beat Michigan. Michigan beat Ohio State. You know what Georgia did. That's one of the games they got up for. Anyway, the conference is scary. I think it's won, well, I know it has, four titles in a row. If the Big Ten won two titles in a row, you'd hear all the national, they're great, you know, retire the trophy. They want The SEC has won, Larry. 13 out of 17 national championships in football. And I think we, excuse me, I think we won four in a row in baseball. But anyway.
1: Sounds sounds about right. And you're but right. The answer
7: to your question is, is they're going to lose. I think they'll lose the game. They'll be in the playoffs. And uh, they'll either lose during the regular season, possibly during the SEC title game, Georgia.
1: Yeah, um, and and you're exactly right. You you take away the Marvin Harrison injury, Ohio State maybe wins that game. I mean, you know that's just how the ball bounces. But you're exactly right. I remember being back in the Fiesta Bowl back in '07 when Florida upset Ohio State and Heisman Trophy winner uh, Troy Smith, and that began this great run that that they're on right now. So that's Georgia, uh, Alabama. You mentioned Tennessee. It's been a while since we've talked about Tennessee as being in that upper echelon. Um, but boy, Josh Heupel, he's got him back in a hurry.
7: He's done a great job, but it's nice to do a great job with Herndon Hooker. Just like at LSU with Daniels, really nice. And what's so funny and ironic that I like to remind Tennessee fans is that you would have never beaten Alabama without Hooker. No, You know that. Unbelievable athlete. And I don't know. And they would have been in the college football playoffs if Hooker hadn't gotten injured. So what is my point of the conversation when I want to punish Tennessee fans? Hey, what how did Herndon hooker arrive in tennessee they go i who got who bought him you know bought him the coach they fired they got rid of (laughs) ran him off and you ought to put a statue up there because you're never going to be that good again and this you've got a great coach you're only as good as your quarterback and obviously surrounding talent but if you don't have a quarterback in this league you're in big trouble and that was a garrulous answer but uh Tennessee definitely treated the former coach wrong. They ought to pay him more than he, they ought to pay him $10 million. Again, I cannot tell you how excited, how Tennessee was like the drag of the SEC. They didn't even want, it's like, I could tell you a hundred jokes, but we don't have time about Tennessee that I do in my speeches. They, um, they just said, you know, we've had it. We can't win. And then Herndon Hooker comes along, courtesy of the other coach. and you And you got a very good coach. And now Tennessee thinks like, Hell, they've, been, they've lost 16 out of 17 to Florida. I don't know how they lost 16 in a row to Alabama. And I could go on and on, but yes, they're on the up. This year, I'd say Tennessee will lose three or four games. I don't know how good Milton is. No, he looked good against Clemson in the uh, Orange Bowl, and he's not a bad quarterback, but he's no Herndon Hooker.
1: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned quarterbacks. Uh, Alabama still, I don't think they've chosen theirs yet, have they? Have I missed that? That Saban pick somebody? or uh, I mean, can you go into a season with Without a, a main guy, and, well, and, yeah. when <laughs> I
7: didn't mean to It's a great question. First of all, he doesn't announce until like get ten minutes for the game. Right, the <laughs> of the game. that's number one, yeah. and he and he tells he intimidates the press, which I love in a sense that he goes, "Don't ask me about my quarterbacks." They don't ask him, but it, and that's Alabama this year. They're gonna be favored every game. They got all the big boys at home except for A and M. I see Alabama, I think they're one of the best four teams in the country, but I see them losing two, maybe three games, which would be not a shocker. To me, it wouldn't be, but they're just, again, it's just too talented, the SEC, and if they had a quarterback, I really believe Alabama would go undefeated. By that, I mean if Bryce Young were there, and I know they had a great team last year, but trust me on this one, Larry, they're loaded just like Georgia, except at quarterback. Georgia has a much more experienced quarterback and probably a better team man for man. But if you don't think Alabama's going to have a frightening offensive line, running backs, tight end wide receivers, you never even heard of him. The kid that I can't think of, who you know, De- Devontae Smith. Yeah. I never heard of him. He's a freshman. Next thing I know in the championship game, he's catching a 50 yard ridiculous pass from Tua to upset. Well, not upset him, but to beat Georgia. Yeah. So they're loaded. We all should have Saban's problems. Kirby Smart's problems. <laughs> you can go on and on. Then you throw in the transfer portal. Unbelievable.
0: It's
1: it's it's amazing. Hey, I want to get to, um, you know, I, I, boy, the portal is one thing, but I, I do want to spend some time talking about um, college football expansion. Um, certainly, you know, Texas and Oklahoma uh, making their announcement a couple of years ago that they're going to jump to the SEC next year. That began this. Um, the next big salvo, of course, last summer, USC, UCLA, and then now the Pac-12 basically falling apart your thoughts on this i know i th- I think you think like i do you're a bit of a purist we like to think old school um but this is 21st century and college football is never going to be the same
7: you're right it's uh, it's horrible it's all bait if it was driven on student athletes no problem it's driven on money you know that and it's uh, it's not going to ruin college football but hell it's just you're just not going to have ucla i mean i can't this is a big rivalry UCLA or Southern Cal versus Rutgers, right? I'm going to get into that, and they're going to travel across country. But no, I I'm very much opposed to it. And what I'm not, and I'm sure people have mentioned it, but who started all this expansion? Who acts like they're so innocent? Oh, this is terrible. What's happened to college football? I'm talking about the SEC. If the SEC hadn't pulled the trigger, none of this would have happened. I don't fault the SEC. Hell, I would have done it too. They're going to have a drop dead contract, media rights contract, get in Oklahoma and Texas, and then Ohio State. Uh, excuse me, the Big Ten followed suit, and now it's the survival of the fittest. And you probably know what's going on with all the. I mean, if you had a time, I'd go into what's going to happen to poor Oregon State and Washington State, two decent programs, but
1: yeah, and well, and and your programs that are decimated financially. You're going from roughly 24, 25 million a year, looking at possibly five million. A year i mean and that's those are th- those are real that's we're not just throwing numbers out that's really what they're looking at imagine cutting a budget by 80 percent. if you're oregon state or washington state that's the reality you're faced with in summer come summer 2024
7: and the real tragedy is women's sports i don't care about title nine that's not going to come into play by that i mean i don't care that they don't care about title nine because given the choice of cutting washington state oregon state's football program you know what they're going to do with what i call the minor sports baseball men's baseball it's just going to be brutal and you make it, you raised a good point and I'm, I'm oregon state and washington state which they are they're begging the big 12 they're begging the acc no chance and they're going to probably have to go to the mountain west which is a major step down or they're going to become independent and i don't see how they can make well they're not going to make it independent wise but Yeah, those uh, it's all about dollars, and you know how much programs like Georgia and Alabama spend. And you could go to the MAC; they spend a ton of money on football, but there's going to be crunch. No one could, not a corporation in America, could stand a slashing of their budget like that.
1: Right, you're exactly right. And that comes my next point: the ACC. There's talk, and boy, by the time this airs, uh, Stanford, Cal, and SMU could be a part of the ACC. I mean, it looks like a vote is imminent on that. But that amazes me too because. It doesn't solve the problem. The ACC at roughly forty million a year is still thirty million behind the teams in the SEC and the and the Big Ten per year. So the arms race I've argued is already there. It's already a big two when you've got twelve of the top fifteen paid college football coaches are in those two conferences. Um, two are in the ACC. The the if, if you're I, I get Stanford and Cal because you're faced it again having nothing so. 12 million 15 million from the ACC is better than nothing um but the ACC still is a step behind these other two major conferences in terms of dollars
7: what'll happen espn has a clause i'm told that they can re- that the ACC can renegotiate their media rights if they add teams if they drop below I'm, i don't remember the number it was 15 teams if they the ACC does that espn can come in and really put it to them and reduce their media rights so I've not read that, but I've been told that and I know it to be true. So it, it behooves the ACC to add those three teams just for one reason only. Their media rights will be increased. Plus Stanford, and i you've read this, I'm sure Stanford and Cal are so desperate, they're, they're willing to forego not all of their media rights, but not a full share of the revenue, which makes it more attractive. I don't understand why the ACC voted them down or four schools held out. Uh, as it was reported in the papers. But uh, supposedly, like you said, they're going to come on board. And if they don't, they're out of their mind because, we're again, we're only talking about one thing. We're not talking about student-athletes because they don't care about them. We're talking about money. And if the ACC, as you pointed out, wants to increase their money, they must expand. Now, I'm not talking about picking up slippery rock. And if they do expand, This is what's going to happen. They're going. I don't know what the figure is, Larry, but they're going to. ESPN has got to give them more money. And at the same token, if they get rated the ACC, ESPN has the contractual right to lower their fees, which they'll do in a New York nanosecond if they get the chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No question. Yeah. The number I saw somewhere was um, there may be a pool of like sixty million dollars of fresh money that the the current ACC schools can divvy amongst themselves, and they may use that money to give. Uh, the power football programs like Clemson and Florida State, the extra money they're looking for to try to compete with schools in the SEC and the big 10, right. but still it's a haves and have nots. And I don't, I don't know about you. I got about a minute left here, uh, Danny,
7: by the way, that's a great point and you're hundred percent. Right. That's what, that's the only, then i led them in because they're altruistic, but anyway.
1: Right. Exactly. 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 Um, I, you know, it is boy, you and I, as always, we could talk forever. Um, one. my final thought, I still think that, um. Ah, uh, it's not done. I think there's still more to come, uh, even after this movement. But uh, by by twenty thirty, but we will see. Then, Danny, it is always good to talk with you. Ah, uh, very quickly, thirty seconds. Give me your as we stand right now. Your four picks for the the four playoff teams come December. Well,
7: I'm going to contradict myself real quickly. Alabama and Georgia are the best two, in Ohio State and Michigan. I think Michigan's going to lose three games this year. I <laughs> think Texas is going to not win their conference. I like Oklahoma to surprise a lot of teams. And in the ACC, I think Florida State is going to upset Clemson and win that conference, and Ohio State over Michigan when they
1: play. Wow. Okay. Day back on top. and saves his job. <laughs> hey, Columbus. <laughs> Danny Sheridan, always good to talk with you, my friend. Hopefully you'll join us again soon. Take care.
7: Uh, anytime, Larry. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you. College football guru, analyst, expert, legend, Danny Sheridan uh, here on the show. Glad he's with us. Stay with us. Much more to come. We'll pay some bills and back with more after this. Well, just when you thought it was safe to peek your head back outside and look at the college football landscape, more boulders being thrown. Um, the ACC expansion deal, it appeared uh, dead on arrival just a couple of weeks ago, but all con frere, all contrary on they're right back again um with horrible French. Stanford Cal and SMU, um you know by the time this airs because you do record it early to get it to our affiliates, um, could be a part of the ACC. There's some serious conversation now that they think that there were four teams that voted against it. They can only have three teams vote against it. And it appears that um, one of the schools that voted against it the first time around may have come around to voting in favor of this. So we may have um, another co- bicostal conference in the ACC come 2024, getting Stanford Cal and then taking SMU
5: here's my thing for the ACC schools. It actually makes a little sense because they're going to get the, because of by adding the school, they get more revenue and they don't have to give all out all that revenue. So they get a little bit more. I don't understand why like SMU, they've got their own money stream, whatever I get what they're trying to do. Cal and Stanford, they must be desperate because taking like seven to $10 million a year for the, for the next, you know, X number of years, and then still being locked in to this ACC deal, even if they get a full revenue, they're still so far behind the Big Ten and SEC schools in money. It's it's staggering. So I don't know. It's just like a panic move, right? I mean, just like we don't we don't know what to do, so let's try this. It's really wild.
2: Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand at all. If I was Stanford and Cal, and I'm going to go with a deal that that hooks me in until 2036. I I might go to the big 10 and, and just say, look, we'll go, you know, give us, give us a third share or something like that until you renegotiate in 2030 and, you know, then I'll be a full member and making a ton of money. I I don't get this, you know, take a, a smaller amount and then be hooked in for another 13 years or whatever, 10 years. It's just insane. Um, and, and like you mentioned, Brad, they're going to sign the SEC and the big 10 are going to sign another contract before the ACC even comes to the table. And if you thought all you were seeing was, you know, elbows and posteriors, um, you, you aren't even going to be able to see them. They're going to be so far ahead of you <laughs> in the race. And I, I don't, I, I really don't understand what they're going for, especially when you look at the big 10 with its research side. And, and mm-hmm. Stanford and Cal would both be in the top five research faci- uh, you know, universities in the big 10 might even be like one and two, one and three. I, I think personally, that just makes a lot more sense to me than, than trying to go to the ACC, but obviously these guys know more than I do. Here,
1: here's, here's my take. I think they went to the Big Ten. The Big Ten said we don't have any cash for you. You've already made our play, Oregon and Washington. The extra deal, sorry, we got nothing for you. I think they went to the ACC and they made their pitch, and they initially said no. Then they went to the Big Twelve. They already know the Mountain West is waiting. That's only five million a year. So their options were go independent, where you get zero dollars. There's nothing, nothing there. You're not going to, you, the brands aren't big enough to support you, and your, your athletics go away go to the mountain West and get five million a year or you go to the ACC and you get from seven to 12 million which is not ideal maybe get up to 15 million um you are still so far behind the eight ball there's no question but I I think they feel this is their best play
2: you know Stanford's endowment is like 37 to 40 billion dollars so borrow against a billion and go to the Big Ten and say we'll be there for free for this contract. And and borrow that billion dollars from the endowment, and then be a full member in twenty thirty one. You'll still make more money than if you went to the ACC.
5: Yeah, I, I think from a monetary standpoint, you got every year they're losing money. They're losing, you know, yeah, you know, eighty million dollars a year is going to be the thing at some point. And, and when you're losing that much money every year, even if you get this new contract in twenty whatever thirty six or whatever it's going to be. You're still going to be, you're going to be like a billion dollars behind at that point in in revenue. It's just crazy to me.
1: It's unbelievable. ACC, uh, they appear to be bound for the ACC. We wish them luck. (laughs) Back with more to this.
4: and we'll change it. Cancel it and fix it for you. We know the insider secrets to fixing reservations that the airlines don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 800 413 7158 800 413 7158 800 413 7158 that's 800-413-7158. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get
6: help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help
4: right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. If you're a diabetic, we have great news.
6: You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily,
4: you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160, 800-390-5160, Eight hundred three nine zero five one six zero. 390 5160 390 5160 that's eight hundred three nine zero fifty one sixty. 390
0: 5160 Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Guys, I don't know
1: if, if you guys saw it, but how about the Little League World Series California and the walk-off home run. I mean, it's one thing to win the Little League World Series. It's another to win it in that kind of dramatic fashion for for a kid.
5: It's fantastic. So exciting. The kid was so excited. I was waiting for the umpire to call him out when he took his helmet off, though. You know what I mean? I Can you see that? That would be a, you know, just typical, like, uh, you know, two-involved thing, you know. But it it was really cool. I mean, I think that's what it's all about. You see these kids. They're just, it's so much emotion. And they just play with their hearts on their sleeves it's It's a lot of fun to watch,
2: yeah, yeah, and and you almost hate to tell that kid like, it, how do you top this in life?" I mean, it just <laughs> you know, it's like, thank goodness I don't live that high of a standard of life because I don't have to top anything that exciting, but um you know you've got you've already done that in your life. There's a lot of ho hums that most people would get really excited about after you've done this.
5: <laughs> you know, he's think about us NIL that he can get now. <laughs> that's,
1: that's right. Sad, but true. You're exactly right. You know, I mean, it's, it's nuts that you think about Curacao tied it up in the fifth with a grand slam. Uh, and now they've lost uh, two years in a row in the final. I, you're right. I think about, I mean, you know, my pathetic athletic career, I had an unassisted double play in the little league world series, little league all-star game, I should say. And back in Mattoon, Illinois. And it's still a big deal for me all these years later. Kevin so you out. got out twice in the same play? Unassisted. No. <laughs> no, I was on defense. Oh, okay. I, I, just, oh, I okay. thought of your athletic ability. I I'm like, thinking you got out baby. twice on the same play. First base, dove and caught the line drive and slapped first base and got out. Wow. wow. And then just tie, of
5: tie off. He's ready to go.
1: That's right. That's
2: right. The umpire
1: umpire called him
2: safe because Larry had (laughs) an illegal tie.
1: Oh, my goodness. All right. Speaking of NIL, uh, Georgia football. You know, it's good to be the king. It's good to be the king, guys. A great report here uh, earlier this summer about uh, the money these guys made. How about Stetson Bennett? Forget a two time national champion. $1.3 million in NIL money?
5: (laughs) Well, it's in. in it's just, it's great, huh? I mean, that's why Why are you going pro <laughs> stay just uh, No wonder these guys stay in college, take a pay cut.
2: Well, and I, I was, I've generally looked at these NIL dollars as being a little bit like WWE heights and weights, a little bit inflated, but then it's the SEC and you figure, well, they probably really paid it, but you know, the bottom line is, is, uh, you can, you know, money you get what you what you pay for. And and uh, looks like Georgia paid for a national
1: title. That's pretty good.
5: It was good it was a good investment. There's no question.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. Great story. This was on boardroom.tv and asking who was the top dog, as it were. And it was talking about Georgia and TCU, um, number three, number one and number three, respectively, in the college football playoff. Uh, Georgia ranked only as the number three team in the country, according to this report um, uh, on three dot com's NIL team rankings. Horn Frogs were 34th. Um, the average NIL valuation among Georgia athletes, Georgia players, football players, I should say, the average 71,000 TCU's average 26,000. Uh, as if recruiting already wasn't lopsided enough, but yeah, uh, Stetson Bennett, the senior, uh, one point three million, eighth, only the eighth best. There were seven other players who, according to this report, made more money than him. It's just crazy.
5: Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, hey, but you know, he earned it, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he earned it. There's no question.
1: Well,
2: I look at these rankings. There's a couple team rankings that jumped out somehow. Indiana was 27th in the team rankings, and it's like, wow, you did not get what you paid for there. Um, and then I also <laughs> was was thinking, you know, at Northwestern, the 49th for one game, that's a heck of a of investment. So there was some there was some lopsided. I guess it proves to you that you 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 can't just open the checkbook, but you have to spend it well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Georgia, they spent it well. Brock Bauer, sophomore tight end, preseason All American, 1.1 million last year. Uh, Jalen Carter off to the NFL, where he will make even more money eight hundred ninety six thousand last year. Uh, Christopher Smith six hundred seventy one thousand. I mean, again, these aren't you know these aren't small company CEOs and their bonuses. I mean, these, these are some some of these guys aren't can't even legally uh, uh, drink. <laughs> I'm mean <laughs> yeah. legally.
5: Well, well, you know they they don't have to they they save money. They don't have to spend their money on alcohol. Good are, deal for them.
1: Are
2: they old enough to legally lend? for interest because some of these guys could start oh, their own banks oh
5: mike you're giving them ideas <laughs> exactly. out there in the state of iowa they're spending they're gambling with them. oh yeah right, so. and
2: then there's that story
1: so uh yeah and coach
2: campbell is watching his team disappears it as is
1: me. crazy it is crazy hey it's we've magic. got magic to time out. top of the hour much more to come stay with us <laughs> BigSportsRadio.com is a one-stop shop providing daily updates of your favorite Big Ten teams. Register today for free and get a chance to win weekly cash prizes. Details at BigSportsRadio.com.
0: You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Well, joining us now uh, to say that he is the,
1: boy, the, the dean of voices in the Big Ten. It's pretty close. Starting his 34th season uh, as a play-by-play man for Northwestern football. David, joining us uh, once again. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Good to talk to you.
8: Thanks, Larry. I got I to gotta, uh, plead uh, uh, no contest there, though, because with guys like... Uh, Don Fisher and Johnny Holiday, right? They've been around a lot longer than I am. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> they have, but we just <clears throat> listen. Mad respect from us. That's that's what it comes down to. Um, hey, since last time we talked to you, uh, which I think was uh, back in early May, last time we talked right before we all went on, you know, summer vacation, did our thing with families. Um, nothing has happened with the Western football since then. Just no, kidding. Very uh, like, quiet. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Give us an update right now. The Wildcats opening the season here. Um, what's going on right now with Northwestern? Have, have things settled in and are, are they ready to play football?
8: Well, I think they are. I think they're 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 more than ready to play. I think um probably just being back on the field has has kind of given them a a chance to to focus on that, to focus on getting ready for a game. And with with all of the, uh, the talk about the program with being in the spotlight all summer. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's been a, a change for the players that they, I know, looked forward to. And I think probably the same for the coaches. I mean, it's a uh, pretty much a new staff with a couple of holdovers. And I think that uh, they, uh, they didn't expect what they would find themselves in. And, and, uh, I think, to get back on the practice field for fall camp, I think was something of a, a chance to just zero in on getting ready for Rutgers uh, this weekend.
2: You know, Dave, with your experience and and knowledge of the program and the people, what, what went through your mind during this whole time? I mean, this had to be about as crazy of an experience with absolutely no way to really prepare for this,
8: well, I don't think there is a way you could prepare for it. I mean, I think it, it's it's so unlike anything that that I've seen in in 34 years broadcasting for this university. And look, I've known I've known a ton of players. I've I've been around them for years, and and I guess the the easiest thing for me to say because it it's it's difficult. If you say something, you come out uh, sounding like uh, you're either you're choosing up sides or you're showing a, a lack of compassion for people who uh, say they they were victimized. I, I certainly that you know would never want to do that. And uh, but but the story is going to play out in courtrooms and in boardrooms with between attorneys. And I I think I I've known so many kids. I know a lot of the guys on this team right now who are, are really, really good young men. And, 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 you know, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't, I can't say for sure what did or didn't happen, but all I can tell you is the majority of these guys uh, stuck around at Northwestern and, a lot of them are there in their fourth or fifth year, some are in their sixth year in, in college football, and I, I just think that our job is to go ahead and uh, my my job is to broadcast the games, and so I don't want to confuse what what my role is in this thing, and and I think that those guys who who really have worked hard to get themselves to the point where they're playing college football, and um, you know maybe they were in there when stuff happened maybe nothing you know i i don't know but all i'm saying is they deserve the opportunity to go out and and have their games broadcast just like anybody else would and that's sort of the way i'm approaching it
1: talking with dave in it he's the play-by-play man for northwestern football um you know how, how has this changed your preparation i mean you bring up a great point that your job is to broadcast the game and 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 add color, explain what how the team is doing on the field. Of course, that does require research on your part in terms of the makeup of this team. Mm-hmm. Has that changed your preparation at all in terms of, um, you know, when you go back to, you know, the Big Ten media days and that was awkward and, and um, you know, the, the cloud is still over the program, of course, and is going to be for quite some time. How has that changed the way you prepare? If at all, well, I, I'd say the
8: biggest change for me, Larry, hasn't been so much the events as much as um, the the changes on in the, the staff. You know, I, I worked with Pat Fitzgerald for for so many years, seventeen years as head coach, uh, knew him well when he was a member of Randy Walker's coaching staff before that. Uh, knew him well when he was playing for Northwestern in the mid '90s, and so if I had a question about personnel or something coming up in in the game, I would shoot him a text, and he'd get right back to me with the answer. and And obviously, those relationships take a while to build, right? So, um, I I think I'm I have a good relationship with Coach Braun. I, I don't know him that well. I'm not going to pretend to. Uh, and, and it takes time, I think, to build that trust. But at the same time, I I think the people around the program understand that, uh, I have a job, my partner, Ted Albrecht has a job to do to get ready for the broadcast. They're going to help us any way they can. And, uh, and, and look, it's, there, there are certain things when you're a broadcaster for a team that you have access to, to players, uh, in terms of interviews, preparing, for games that that others might not and that's just the way it is in all sports so we have been able to to get the the same that sort of access in terms of being on the field and and uh, for practice and and just getting ready for, for the nuts and bolts of the game as uh, probably in the past
2: and of course facing rutgers who's who's had their own challenges um you know, how do you feel about a, a another upset? I mean, last year everybody assumed Nebraska was gonna was gonna beat uh, Northwestern. There were certainly a lot of people who were uh, optimistic that that would happen. What's the odds of these uh, Wildcats coming out and really uh, surprising a lot of people uh, by beating the Rutgers team?
8: Well, first of all, it's, it's a Big Ten road game. It's the opener for Rutgers. You know they want to start well. Uh, you have a first-time head coach against a, a veteran coach, both in college and the NFL, and Greg Sciato. Uh, but I think both teams are kind of coming at it from the same direction. They, they had this same record in the Big Ten last year. They were both 1-8. and eight. They both struggled. They both ended the season on losing streaks, even though Northwestern's was longer. Uh, I I think Northwestern kind of goes into this thinking we can go out there and just kind of let it rip because no one's really giving us a shot to win a game this year, and and I think that will probably be their approach. I know uh, that David Braun has talked about the fact that this team has really felt kind of galvanized, and I can kind of sense that. I'm sure Rutgers may be feeling the same way. So I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I think a lot will come down to quarterback play. Uh, Gavin Wimsap, the starter for Rutgers, started six games last year. I think he had uh, like five touchdown passes, seven interceptions. Uh, Northwestern hasn't named their starter. Ben Bryant, the transfer from Cincinnati, I think has seemed to be the favorite to get the call, although we won't really know until game time on Sunday. But uh, he certainly has a lot of experience behind him, both at Cincinnati and Eastern Michigan. And he's a local guy, wants to do well. He played in the Chicago area at the Lions Township. So, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, motivation for Northwestern to go out and and just uh, (laughs) kind of see what happens. I mean, that was a miserable thing to go through last year and something they weren't used to losing their last 11 games after an impressive start over in Ireland against Nebraska. So a chance to get a win, then uh, get, get into a few non-conference games. Uh, they come home, play UTEP, certainly a, a game they feel that they can win. So they can get off to a good start. I, you know, I think you look around and you you look at their schedule. It's not the kind of schedule that you look at and it's overwhelming. Certainly the Big Ten West... Has some tough teams. Wisconsin. They got to play them up in Madison. Uh, they play Iowa uh, this year at Wrigley Field in Chicago, and but that's technically a home game for Northwestern. So, you know, I think um, I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I wish I could tell you guys I had a feel for how this season's going to go. I really don't. There are just too many unknowns. And and an unusual number of them going into the season.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's <clears throat> it's interesting. You mentioned again that's a, a noon kickoff on Sunday. I love the fact that you get Northwestern Rutgers on a Sunday and getting some eyeballs on those two programs that you might might not have gotten on a Saturday with <clears throat> the glut of games going on. So it's a great way to uh, on the holiday weekend. D- definitely get your thoughts here uh, before we uh, we get away um, on the expansion. You know, we knew the two teams coming in. USC and UCLA, now Oregon and Washington. Um, what are your thoughts and what's the buzz up there in the Chicago area um, with the Big Ten going to 18 teams next summer?
8: Well, I, I just I don't know how the logistics are going to work. I mean, they obviously have a lot of work to do to figure this out. Just when we kind of got used to the idea of UCLA and USC coming in next year and they came out with a schedule and Northwestern was going to play at UCLA and play USC here uh, now uh, who knows what the schedule is, how how much of a change there's going to be apparently they're just gonna tweak it they're not going to just throw it out entirely but I really wonder about the other sports and how they're going to make this all work and uh I I'll say this much when Nebraska came in I kind of felt at the time that that wasn't a great fit for the Big Ten and uh I've I certainly have changed my way of thinking on that. I think Nebraska uh, has, has brought a lot to the conference, even though maybe things haven't gone as well in football as they had hoped. And uh, But I think that um, it'll be interesting to see. I, to me, it made sense once you had USC and UCLA in to take the two Bay Area teams before you go to the Pacific Northwest. But look, it's all about expanding your footprint. Washington and Oregon have had... Really good programs, and uh, certainly they've they've got it covered, coast to coast, at least east to west. Now the question is, how far south, uh, (laughs) aside from the LA schools, is the Big Ten going
0: to go?
2: Yeah, that's a really hard one to predict. Personally, I would think if Stanford and Cal are willing to cut a deal to go into the ACC, one would suppose that the Big Ten is trying to at least see what kind of deal they would be willing to make to come into the Big Ten because those, re- those research dollars would be amazing to have, and people don't think about the size and enormity of that compared to a TV contract.
8: Yeah, that's a great point. And so I, you you know we're not done. I think that's pretty clear. This is not, it's going to be 18 next year, we think, but who knows what ultimately <laughs> the big 10 is going to be. And look, I started doing the games when there were 10. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I never thought when, when Penn State came in, I thought, what, you're going to have 11 teams in the big 10. How can you do that? And look where we are now.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, Dave, listen, enjoy the season. Always great to talk with you. Safe trip out to uh, New Jersey. Get a win there for the, the Wildcats on that one. And we'll talk with you again here down the line. All right, guys. Thanks. Always good being with you. All right, great thank view. you, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. Dave Ennett, again the veteran play-by-play man for Northwestern, and uh, again just dealing with uh, what they've dealt with all summer. He makes a great point: just get out and play the games, put it on the field, and let that take care of itself. They can't control the other stuff right now. Dave Ennett, always good to have him here on the show. This is Big Sports Radio. We'll pay some bills. and Back with much more after this. back here on the show some other things that caught our eye um you know we want to we we've discussed before about the Nebraska volleyball program um unbelievable what they did this week 90,000 fans inside the football stadium look folks there there are some volleyball programs who get can't get 900 fans into their games they're talking 90,000 uh, Wednesday night they're in Lincoln yeah the pictures of that are just amazing you know
5: and I I am I like Scotty McCreary. I think he's a good artist. I don't think that was the big sell though. I think it legitimately was Nebraska volleyball. And uh by the way, the picture with Scotty McCreary is great because he's out there with all the volleyball players and he looks like you know, he's like three foot seven next to all those girls.
1: I think he is because
5: they're all like six five, you know. <laughs> so it's uh, but no, it's a, it's awesome. I mean, that's man, they're passionate about their volleyball. It's a big time sport, and they turned a profit. How about that? Who does that?
2: Yeah, it, it's. I got to be honest with you. You know, it, it looks like it, as they showed them putting it together. It's like watching. It's like watching them put together a WrestleMania. You know, where they put up the they put up the ring, and then you see the chairs go up and and everything. This is
5: always wrestling. Always I know wrestling. this is
2: going to be huge, though. I mean, and and I, um, I I think it was fantastic to to watch that and and what an event. You know, what an event. If you could pull this off. And Nebraska uh, volleyball showed what type of uh, attraction they have to their fans. And we also saw that Nebraska fans are incredibly loyal as well.
1: Yeah, love to see on the uh, undercard, if you will, some other Nebraska universities uh, playing as well earlier uh, in the night, um, just exciting and great for women's sports as well. Um, exciting night in, in Lincoln and well-deserved that program. Um, one of the preeminent volleyball programs in the country, if not the, uh, program right now, it's a great job by, uh, coach John Cook out there. Um, want to talk about a little NFL and some quarterback news here. Trey Lance, the big story, you know, you think about all that they gave up to trade up for this guy, right? He was going to be, they weren't sold on Jimmy Garoppolo as their starter for the future, um, even though he, you know, gone to a Super Bowl, right, and didn't think he was the guy, uh, they give up a ton to get him to trade up to get him, and then here comes Mister Relevant, seventh rounder Brock Purdy, right, steals the starting job away. He was demoted to third string. Uh, Sam Darnold beats him out in camp, and now traded to the Cowboys for virtually nothing. Uh, Niners didn't didn't play this very well.
5: Nah, it's a this is a fleecing uh they sent (laughs) i mean you know think about this they moved up to number three pick in the draft by trading three first round picks i mean this was like draft day if kevin costner couldn't have gotten any of his pick back picks back i mean this was like uh, the reality of draft day right here and then the fact then the the guy uh, Vontae mack would have been really bad at football that would have been the draft day that this would have been so it was uh it's just a complete debacle when you think about it. And and Mike, you gotta be happy because Dallas actually got, I mean, it's like a good trade for Dallas. Even if he's not good, it's a good trade for Dallas.
2: You know, I was thinking, why didn't they give a sixth round pick instead of a fourth? But that's Dallas, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> you know, here here's the amazing thing is the is the Niners gave up three first round picks and and they they're making a stab at a quarterback they didn't know was good and they they thought he was good but they didn't know you know um and and they still with despite giving up those three picks they still have probably the most talent in the NFC how do you pull that off i it's you got to wonder you know you pick one or two different guys in there and how good you know might they have won a super bowl since then <laughs> <laughs> how do you really feel <laughs> yeah well look you, we don't have to worry about it. there's a sentence i haven't had to use for 27 years Dallas <laughs> cowboys and <the> super bowl
1: <laughs> well there you go and uh, why don't you make it 28 while we're at it hey one uh, also another story? i think i will uh you probably will um really hate this and just want to put out the best thoughts for a young man named eric gilbert former five-star player marietta uh georgia he was just a phenomenal receiver tight end you name it, a uh, player for a state championship team ran into a lot of problems on his fourth score right now at Nebraska and, um, was arrested a few days ago for breaking into a, allegedly breaking into a vape store and stealing $1,600, um, worth of merchandise. So, you know, Eric Gilbert, the talent, he has NFL talent. Um, you know, there was some talk possibly of maybe some mental health things. And, um, bottom line is one of those things. There's the other side of sports that we don't always hear about. Um, and it's it's uh, it's unfortunate. I want to get that out there. I actually did play by play of some of his games at Marietta uh, on the state playoffs level, and um, just wanted to again say, hey, Eric, we're all praying for you. Get things taken care of. Get on the field. Uh, you're out. You're outstanding. Hey, stay with us. Uh, we'll take a break. More to come after this.
6: Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it.
4: 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828.
0: You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Hey, Kyle Christensen with Splash Sports with us now. Kyle, good to talk
1: to you. Um, okay, NFL season's coming up. What kind of games do you have everybody to, uh, to take part in?
9: Yeah, our two main games is Survivor and what we call X. It's basically pick them without the spread. Uh, for legal reasons, we can't bring in the spread, but... Those are two main games on Splash Sports. And we found that people just absolutely love it.
1: Are you amazed at how this has grown over the years? I don't know, you're younger than I am, but back in the day, like, you know, fantasy football was like literally you pass out a sheet of paper, put your teams down, and then see what happens.
9: (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that. that. That's (laughs) it's the number one request across the board from our commissioners. So we own Run Your Pool and Office Football Pool Mm -hmm. as well. And every commissioner is saying, Hey guys, can you please handle my entries? I'm sick of the spreadsheets. I'm sick of like, you know, paying out in Venmo. So we finally listened to them, created Splash Sports. We handle all of the what I call fuss of being a commissioner so that you can just play with your friends and and earn cash. But yeah, it's amazing. It's come a long ways, right? I uh, previously was at Points Bet before this. So just seeing the uh, game of chance in the sports book and now like the uh, Survivor and and Pick'em contest and everything come to life, it, it's really fun for a sports fanatic. You're in there. And engaged on a weekly basis.
1: It's so cool; it gets everybody involved, and I think it really—that's a big reason why the NFL um, is, you know, one of the most popular sports, not just in the country, but but in the world. So, okay, so you've got um, uh Survivor and 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 what's it? Pickaxe.
9: Pickaxe. It's Pickaxe. Uh, pick them without the spreads.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. And how do people get involved?
9: Yeah, just go to splashsports.com. Uh, you go in there. You'll KYC. We have got to make sure you are you, and no fraudsters are acting, uh, you know, with bad intentions. Then you sign up, deposit a little money, and you can go to our contest lobby. And honestly, we got hundreds of games in there. Whether you want to go small, we got dollar entries. You want to go big, we got five hundred dollar entries with some big payouts. Uh, it's all up to you, but easy enough. Splashsports.com. Sign up and get in there and have a little fun. All right, can't wait to jump in, Kyle Christensen
1: of Splash Sports. Hey man, we appreciate it, and uh, we I know you got more games coming up, so we'll talk to you later on this fall. Absolutely, thanks, Larry. Okay, back to football now. Penn State, number seventeen in the country, hosting West Virginia on NBC Saturday night. Shane Thomas, uh, he's the Penn State reporter for CNNHI. Shane, give us an idea. Just um, you know, right now this time of year, it's always exciting. Uh, what's it like right now in Happy Valley?
10: Yeah, they're excited. I was talking to head coach James Franklin. He talked about just the the idea of having having the first game at home under the lights at Beaver Stadium. Uh, they're probably expecting one hundred and six thousand first night so um it's big uh but i think he kind of franklin kind of downplayed the the idea that it's kind of the return of the west virginia rivalry but as he pointed out in his press conference yesterday you know it was you know a lot of the players on the team weren't even born the last time that this you know most (laughs) of pretty much any player on the team wasn't even born the last time they had played so um, you know they're they're excited for to to finally get a chance to hit someone else other than themselves and 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 get a chance to kind of prove themselves and as you said, start number seven in the country uh to you know kind of you know embrace those expectations and and kind of let the rubber hit the road here
5: so uh, we look at this and we see like you know Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State all ranked in the top seven in the country. They're all gonna play each other. So uh, what's going to happen here? Is this the year Penn State gets over the hump and can beat one of the big two?
10: I think it comes down to just, you know, obviously they have some question marks and there's a few ifs. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they have a quarterback battle. They've yet to announce a starter, but uh, we could probably assume that it it would be Drew Aller. Um, given that he's the most experienced guy coming back at quarterback, uh, the receiving core is is talented. They're still trying to find some consistency there, um, but they they love their their offensive line. They love their running backs. Uh, the defensive line is great, um, probably the best, one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in the Big Ten. So uh, they like where they are with that. Um, I think they 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 realize like, okay, if if some things click, we can really make some things happen.
2: You know, the the offensive line is fantastic and, uh, you know, the strength of the team. Wednesday, uh, Landon Tingwall uh, basically had a medical retirement from football. And, of course, um, our sympathies go out to him not being able to play anymore. I know it's got to be just a huge change for him. what effect will that have on the, the Nittany Lions as they try to find a replacement for him?
10: Yeah, I think a lot of it is is next man up mentality. Um coach Franklin refused to kind of get into, you know, who's up next and and who, who kind of steps up to, to fill that void. Uh, But it's obviously this close to the start of the season. And you you have that, I mean, it's got to send a little bit of shockwaves kind of through the team uh, to lose a guy that that's, that's been a leader for them and and a guy that they they've relied on. So um, it's, it's sad, but uh, you know, as, uh, as we were talking to uh, Keandre and, and, Adisa Isaac. Today, they just said, you know, as part of the game, Adisa obviously dealt with some injuries himself over his career. So um, they, they've they're kind of taking the next man up mentality, and, and they're, they've been very respectful of his process so far.
1: Talking with Shane Thomas, Penn State reporter for CNHI, um, and and we should say a, a fairly new in town. He spent some time in the South, a veteran reporter. Uh, I'm curious uh, now that you're in state college, right, and, and you're here and around uh, Central Pennsylvania how's it different the atmosphere in terms of football with other places that you've covered and and spending some time in the south and seeing how things are done in the SEC what's the difference there that you notice right away the weather
4: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> no hurricanes that was easy the,
10: the weather the weather is probably the biggest difference um right now i mean you know going into the start of the year i mean you're t- you're talking you know, 90, almost 100 degree temperatures, you know, at kickoff. And a lot of these games for me, I was doing high school and college. So it was, you know, eight, you know, eight o'clock, you know, sometimes 730 for the college games down at Velasta State. And uh, so far, I mean, it's it's only been above 80, maybe twice since I've been here and I've only been here a week. So the weather, um, you kind of is definitely a lot bigger. The facilities are humongous. Um, coming from Valdosta, I mean, you know, it's a rich tradition there, but this is a rich tradition here. Just it's, it's kind of that small town kind of unity and and togetherness, but it's just a lot bigger facilities, a lot bigger everything. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how, how everybody takes to it, uh, you know, in my, in my week here and seeing how much people are invested. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's not too much different from from Valdosta in that respect, but the weather and, and the facilities for sure. <laughs>
5: <laughs> they have a, you know, the one thing about Penn state happy Valley is you can't get there from here. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's a, it's one of those places. You just can't get there. So, um, the, as you, as we think about Penn state, I, I, what's it, what is their, I I guess for me, like looking at this first game against West Virginia, is there like a, something you look for that that will be a key and it will kind of tell you something about the rest of the season. Is there something you're going to key on in this game that will tell us more about them down the road?
10: I definitely want to see how, how Drew Aller responds to being the guy. I mean, he was playing behind Sean Clifford last year and um, seeing how he takes to that and, 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 being the guy in front of, you know, starting in front of 106,000 people uh, first game of the year is kind of the immediate test. Uh, I think also, you know, how, how he, how he meshes with the wide receivers. They've been talking about consistency with that group. They've been looking for a a consistent third option in that group. And and so far they have a bunch of people that they're, they've looked at Mm -hmm. that they're, they're looking to rely on, but you know, It'll be interesting to see who actually kind of emerges from that group and 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 who actually surprises. So I think just the offense and how quickly they can hit the ground running and then, you know, probably the DBs as well, how they, how they you know, kind of rebound from all the turnover they had in the offseason.
2: You know, looking at it, it's, it seems like um, Penn State seems to be almost pointing a little bit towards Ohio State. Do you think they're a better matchup for Ohio State than they are Michigan, or how do you how do you see that shape up? I've seen a lot of people predict uh, Penn State over Ohio State. I, or excuse, yeah, but I have not seen many uh, predict Penn State over Michigan
10: right now. I, I would agree. I think I think they probably match up better with Ohio State. Uh, just looking at them at this point, uh, so far from all the people I've talked to, Michigan is kind of the game where. They're not quite sure how that how that shakes out just in terms of size, things like that. Um, the defensive line, I talked to Adisa today and Adisa was just basically saying, like, we kind of already are coming into the season with a chip on our shoulder. We've heard some of the noise about how you're, we're not big enough to deal with Michigan. And so it'll be interesting to see how how they respond to that challenge. But I definitely agree that they probably match up better with Ohio State. Um, just based on talent and and what they have coming back. Getting some
1: knowledge here from Shane Thomas uh, here on the Penn State Sports Spectacular. He's a Penn State reporter for CNNHI. Um, You know, one thing we haven't talked about, and I know we're going to we plan on getting into a little bit uh, more later on in the show, um, is that we've talked about Penn State losing uh, the all-time leading passer, Sean Clifford, who was there, I think, since, you know, 2008. Um, He was there forever. Um, You've got a couple of freshman running backs who were just outstanding last year, and I think that running game i think from a national perspective i'm not sure they get the respect that that they deserve um two guys back there who were really solid and um really kind of changed the dimension of this team and as mike has mentioned with the new rules in terms of the running clock um it could you know really make a difference uh, in the fourth quarter for the new alliance
10: no for sure for sure and i mean both both guys Catron uh, allen nick nick singleton they're on the Doak walker uh, watch list preseason uh, both guys just had had tremendous years last year. I, I think behind that that offensive line and and being able to kind of set things up for the rest of the offense, I, I think they'll really be able to dictate some things, you know, from the backfield this season. And and with with two backs, it's 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 interesting. It's um you know some people you're lucky to have you know a, a one good back when you have two good backs and and a great offensive line that that kind of allows you to to kind of play with, play with that, that money a little bit and, and make some things happen.
5: It, it, talking about James Franklin, what's, what's his, I mean, obviously he's done a great job of bringing this program back to, um, prominence. Um, but you know, I, I guess I go back to, is it, it's not quite where I think Penn state wants it to be. I mean, they, you know, they have a history of winning national championships and that hasn't happened yet. What What's the, what's the vibe? around the program, around coach Franklin and what, what he needs to do
10: for this program. You know, from, from the outside, you get the sense that people almost feel like it's a, it's a bit of almost make or break in a way. I feel like they, they feel like this year could be very telling um, given that this is our, probably the most talented team that he's had in in quite some time and definitely the highest ranked in quite some time. Uh, So I think, they're not running from those expectations Uh, just, just from talking to coach Franklin. uh, He's not, he's not running from those expectations. If anything, he's embracing that and, and saying like, Hey, you know, this is, this is what's at stake. This is what we have to do. And it's just about trying to finish the job and, and kind of take that next step from a team that, it's kind of been on the periphery of of the college football playoff to, to making that leap and, and making their case to be there.
2: Is there any game, as you look at the schedule and the way it lays out for Penn State, is there any game on that schedule that you look and you're like, oh, that could be the trap game because we know they're going to be sky high and ready to go for Michigan and Ohio State. Is there another team out there that could cause them trouble that gives you concern as a reporter?
10: Oh, man. I mean, it's I mean, any 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 game you have to look at that and, and just say, OK, well, what do we have here? Like which which team can has the firepower to be able to do that? Um, you know, just looking at the schedule for me, I'm trying to pull up my notes here. Give me just a second. But, you know, I think, honestly. You have to look at. Possibly, obviously, that, that Ohio State game is interesting. I don't believe Iowa in the whiteout is going to be much of a problem, but I think that first the first road game, obviously, you want to get off to a good start there, playing at Illinois. But um, just looking at, it, I mean, there's so many. I mean, I I would have to just kind of look at it and and see here. But I don't I don't know necessarily if I know a trap game right off the top. But you know, anytime you go on the road. They have that game right after Iowa. And I think after after having Northwestern at Northwestern, I think that's interesting. Just because you're coming off of high adrenaline, you know, big game with 107,000, then you go on the road after that. You kind of want to avoid that letdown. So I think that's probably the, the pivotal game before you have the bye week in the second half of the schedule.
1: He is Shane Thomas, Penn State reporter, CNHI. By the way, you can follow him on Twitter, Uh, at it's a thomas thing love that shane thomas (laughs) that's hey man welcome to the big 10 uh welcome to the sports spectacular and uh, don't be a stranger we'll talk with you soon
10: oh thanks guys for having me i appreciate it thank you sir
1: shane thomas getting the knowledge right there seventh ranked penn state uh at home against west virginia saturday night more on the nittany lions uh, still to come here on the show keep it here Right back here on this Labor Day weekend, as we mentioned, four new head coaches in the Big Ten. One of them at Wisconsin, Luke Fickle, takes over after a tremendous stint at Cincinnati, leading the Bearcats to the only non-Power 5 team to reach the college football playoff. Coach Fickle talking about his 19th-ranked Badgers hosting Buffalo this weekend.
11: Uh, Obviously, this is an exciting, exciting time for all, not just myself. I think uh, all of our guys, you guys know. I mean, Game 1 is so unique in college football with the time that you spend, you know, preparing for one game and never having a scrimmage of any sorts or anything where you do anything with anybody else. So week 1 is always in, incredibly intriguing. Um I think obviously in, in year 1 it's even more so, right? For me, for all of our players, like kind of said this morning, it's almost like, you know, Christmas morning. You're 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 preparing for a lot of things, there's a lot of anxieties. Um you're excited about it, but yet there's a lot of things that you just don't know from each other. So for all of us involved, it's really, it's an exciting time. I'm kind of excited, too, to to actually get to Saturday. We're not ready that, not saying we are trying to push the whole week by, um, but just to feel the buzz, you know, to be in the stadium, to, you know, all the things that you re- think you remember from the times of playing here until the first time of really playing here and recognizing some of those things. I know for me, that's that's one of those things that's on my list. I won't take much time to probably look around and enjoy it by any means, um, but the excitement, the buzz, the feeling—curious uh, to see how our students show up. If we can try to find a way, I heard to get them in a little bit earlier and, and start this thing off the right way. It is a two thirty kick, so it shouldn't be that early for them. So, hoping that maybe there's some some newness to getting getting some things maybe adjusted up a little bit. That's a suggestion from our players. Um, but I think all in all, it's just that that ability to to really be excited about it. And then in my mind, for you guys. What does Saturday look like again for us? It's about being able to play clean um, in week one. That's the things you you kind of study, right? The ability to play clean, those pre and post snap situations, to take care of the football offensively and defensively if you have an opportunity to have it, and then your ability to tackle um, with things that you don't get a chance to do nearly as much in all of fall camp. Never having a scrimmage of any sorts in college football that first week. Those are the things that kind of you know, will leave me in particular laying awake a little bit on Friday night. Just, uh, you know, that that picture of being clean, that picture of taking care of the football, that picture of of tackling really well in week one. But um, we've got some work to do, uh, but we're excited about getting to Saturday.
4: Luke, you mentioned
10: the buzz. I'm just curious. You had a, a season opener as an interim head coach at Ohio State. Then you had the season opener as a, the Cincinnati head coach. Was was your feeling
8: at Cincinnati different than it was at Ohio State? And do you anticipate this will be different? <laughs> if you're older
11: now. Yeah, I, I, would, this. I would definitely. Th- it's going to be different. Um, in the first one, I couldn't tell you one second about what it was like. I mean, there was—they're all whirlwinds, but it was—who knows? Um, couldn't even tell who we played. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about the Cincinnati one. It wasn't exciting, uh, and I don't mean that it like wasn't. We there weren't many people in the crowd. I know we played Austin P. We really did not play very well and somehow some way we came out with a victory. Um, so that that little anxiety of remembering what week one looked like at Cincinnati does will keep me up a little bit but I, again it, I think there's a lot of things that uh, through the past and experiences um, that I've learned from but uh, week one is always a unique situation in, in college football and uh, you know obviously in year one in particular, um, so many things you're cu- curious about yourself, let alone know, what you're going to see across the across the way meaning a new offense a new offensive coordinator with a lot of new coaches um just a lot of unknowns Luke, going back to that first year at Cincinnati it may not have gone the way that you wanted but it
9: also obviously laid the foundation for the future I imagine you've been asked something along these lines these last eight months but w- what does success to you look like in year one at Wisconsin how would you define that <laughs>
11: Playing our best ball at the end of the year, I know that's pretty vague, and that's you know a way of not answering the question in, in a lot of ways, but but it is. Um, if we're consistent, if we continue to grow, and we're playing our best ball at the end of the year, I think we'll have everything in front of us. We'll have an opportunity in those last three or four weeks um, to put ourselves in a chance to play for a championship, and that's what it comes down to. Um but if we don't grow, I mean, we know where you are in week one and where you are in week eight. I mean, if we're in any similar areas in in week one to week eight, then we won't be playing our best ball at the end of the year. And if you're not, it's really hard to be successful and look at a season as being successful. So, does that mean you kind of rub off and don't worry as much about the first three or four games? No, that's not the case. Um, but we know that there's you know there's a, there's a progression to this. There's a process to it, and. I don't want our guys, just like our coaches, to feel like we've you know this week one is when you got to win it. Like no, there's a process to to doing the things we need to do to getting better, to figuring out what it is that we have, and still evolving what we've got. So, um, big for me is is this how we do things together? You know, I, that's what I've always looked back at Wisconsin and recognized that Whenever I played them, um, whether as a player or preparing for them as a coach, you knew that what you were going to get was one. And to me, more than anything with, with newness, everybody's got their own personal goals. But how do we do things together? Do we have a complementary you know, offense and defense and special teams and ability for us to keep that locker room really strong and do everything together?
8: I know when you first got the job the first
5: few months, you talked a lot about saying you didn't want to build a program primarily through the transfer portal and that maybe after this year, it would just be like maybe three, four transfers per year. I'm just wondering with the amount of transfers you've been able to integrate into the roster this
8: year, have you revised your opinion on that at all? Or what what is your plan for yeah. the transfer portal in
11: future years? No, no. Our, our plan won't change. I say it won't change. It it won't change until all of a sudden we decide maybe this isn't the route we need to go. But for us and what we want to do to, to sustain it and, and to grow it, I think you've got to have guys for three, four, and five years. And I think as we look at The kids were the guys, the players were going to recruit, and and I say that from what's in the state as much as anything. You're going to get guys that in year one and two are going to look a lot different than they are in year three, four, and five. And to me, that's where we've got to still make our hay and we've got to believe that. So, you know, that's why continuity and things are really important to me. And I don't just mean that in players, it's also in coaches, it's also in your strength program. And if that's your philosophy, then why would you be any different in in how you want to recruit? So, obviously, we'll. You know things can adjust and adapt but I'd be disappointed if you know we weren't you know 85, ninety percent you know taking guys out of high school having them for three, four and five years based on you know if they have an opportunity to go play at the next level um, and then sprinkle in the ability to to find some I'm not say difference makers but guys that can fill holes and gaps and things you need um, based on how how years go
9: Luke, when you're installing new schemes like this team is and particularly on offense, how quickly can you expect this new offense to start? How quickly can it all come together?
11: <clears throat> we'll see. I think it has a lot to do with leadership. Um, it starts with not just with Coach Longo, but that whole entire offensive staff. You know, their ability to make sure their guys understand all things that are could and can happen within a game. I mean, so it's hard to pinpoint like what exactly the same thing. What is success in in week one or week two or week three or as an offense and, and it's an evolution. Um, but I think that's why, for me, it's about the ability to go out there in week one in particular and play clean. It's you don't have a whole lot of ideas what exactly you're going to see, right? I mean, there's new people in college football. There's no scrimmages. I think we got a better idea going into the game what we'll see defensively, maybe more than offensively. A the you know the head coach is a defensive guy. They've got some new people on the defensive side, Mike Caputo being one of them. Um, but in general, I think you got a better idea. So I think it gives our offense and you know. A chance to at least have their preparation to be a little bit higher, and to adjust on the fly, like you might have to do defensively, might not be as as great. Um, but again, what, what what there's no definition of what it looks like, right? If if we play clean, if we play fast, and people would say, "What do you mean, play fast?" Like, no huddle, no play fast, meaning our guys look fast, regardless of what they run the forty yard dash And When you when you know what and why you're doing things, you play a lot faster, you look a lot faster, and to me, that's the key. It's not just how many yards and how many points ultimately it's about winning but what do we look like how do we do things and you know the discipline and the and be able to play clean that's coach luke fickle of the wisconsin badgers who take on buffalo at camp
1: randall on saturday stay with us much more to come after this
6: This ad furnished by Nesmataju LLC. Offer not valid in all states or where prohibited by law. Loans are subject to lender approval. See website for details.
1: Honey, the credit card bill came, and we're maxed out.
6: Great. Maxed out cards, rent is due, bills are piling up. We just need some extra cash to help us get by.
1: We should do what my brother did. He went to 27cash.com and got $3,000.
6: With our bad credit?
1: 27cash.com is different. They're one of the largest personal loan networks. They can help people with any type of credit get up to $5,000.
6: I'm sure there's a lot of paperwork.
1: Nope. My brother said it was fast and easy. He did it right from his phone.
6: If you have a regular source of income, you can be approved for a loan of up to $5,000 in minutes, and your cash can hit your bank account as soon as the next day. Our lenders have millions of dollars to lend regardless of your credit history. Great news! I went to 27cash.com and we'll have our money as soon as tomorrow.
1: Wow, that is fast.
6: If you need extra cash, go to 27cash.com. That's 27cash.com. 27cash.com.
0: You're listening. To the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy.
1: All right, let's get right down to on the field and uh, let's pick a game. I'm going to take Colorado TCU. It's the Horn Frogs coming off that remarkable season. Uh, Last year, when they reached the college football playoff, uh, winners of the Big 12, <clears throat> uh, and then Colorado, um, by the way, this is a soon to be, uh, a conference matchup. Colorado headed back to the big 12 in 2024, the debut of Deion Sanders as a head coach, two really good quarterbacks here. Look, Shadir Sanders the state what you want at Jackson state, 70 touchdowns, only 14 interceptions. Um, but still Colorado coming off. It is a total rebuild. Um, I've got to take TCU in this one. And, uh, the Morris kid who's the son of the former Arkansas head coach Chandler Morris, I'm gonna go with Sonny Dykes and uh, the Horn Frogs on this one, but let's watch and see what Dion does uh, with this team. If the Buffs can pull off a win in this game, the Dion hype train on ESPN goes into full overdrive. You heard it here first. Uh, it is gonna be. I mean, ESPN. They will. They will just set up a satellite studio in Boulder if Dion wins <laughs> this game. <laughs> they'll
5: just, we'll just, it'll be, the, they'll have a new channel. Yeah. Yeah. The new way, bay instead of the Ocho, will be all prime.
1: Yeah. ESPN, got ES, prime. ESPN ESPN2, ESPNU, and ESPND on ESPN. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
5: ESPN prime. All done. All done. So hey, I got, I'll, I'll pick a game here. North Carolina at South Carolina, the Battle of the Carolinas. Um, you know, it, it this is an interesting matchup because you've got two quarterbacks, you know, um for that are just dominant, you know, Rattler and uh, Mays and they are guys who can, you know, make plays I, I, North Carolina really coming off a, a disappointing finish last year, you know, losing their last four games essentially. So um, they, they've got to get, you know, right the ship a little bit, but I think this is going to come down to which team plays better defense because I think both teams can score. Um, and, and which defense can make plays. And, and if the defense scores, I think they get a chance to win. I'm going to pick, I still think, I don't know, I just am not sold yet on Spencer Rattler being consistent, so I'll take North Carolina to get this one on a field goal.
2: Yeah, and I will take the what I think is the game of the week, uh, LSU visiting Florida State uh, in, in Orlando. Uh, and And I will tell you what, I think this is going to be your classic heavyweight fight. I don't think this game is going to be more than, I don't know, three or four point difference. And I do think it's going to be the speed and viciousness of the LSU defense that's going to make the difference. I think LSU is going to uh, get the get the one additional stop that they need. And I think their ground game is good enough that they will uh, play a little bit of keep away and they, they come away with, like I said, three, four point victory.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that was a must-see game last year, LSU-Florida oh. State, uh, oh. and it ranked, <clears throat> and then they come back this year both in the top ten. Uh, definitely the game of the weekend. All right, before we, uh, before we say goodbye, give me your upset pick. Uh, upset pick of the weekend. Brad, you go first.
5: Man, this is a tough one. I don't really see any great upsets, so I'm going to pick. It's a mild upset. I think Florida State beats LSU, so there's my upset.
2: I'm going to go with what I think is the craziest upset. I think Northwestern is going to go on the road to Rutgers. Now, granted, they're not going to Ohio State. They're going to go on the road to Rutgers against a veteran coach with their team that is supposed to do nothing, and they are going to get a little bit of Dublin magic, and they are going to win that game. Look at you. Only victory of the season.
5: Will anybody <laughs> actually know that that game happened? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How will we know? How will we check?
1: <laughs> we'll check.
2: We'll check uh, Kegley's uh, Twitter feed. He's going to. Yeah, because if I get this one right, you're all hearing about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, never I'm sure it, that's
1: again. true. <laughs> Northwestern. Uh, God bless them. Uh, the team up there. Uh, boy, really uh, trying to come through. It's been just a terrible summer for them in so many ways. You know what? I, I, Brad, I'm with you. I like Florida State, and I'm going to go on a limb and take South Carolina. To, to to knock off North Carolina um, in a game there in Charlotte, neutral site. Uh, let's say Spencer Rattler uh, finds his you know his inner Todd Ellis, I guess I don't know, and he you know comes up with the Gamecocks and gets the big win. Uh, we will see. The great thing is college football is here because it's the holiday weekend. You've got games going all throughout the weekend, um, even the Monday night game number nine, Clemson at Duke. Uh, that game as well on ESPN. 8 p.m. Eastern time start and Clemson uh, up by a favored by a couple of touchdowns there. But the Tigers all of a sudden one of those teams as well uh, try to make some noise after they've been pretty quiet since Trevor Lawrence went on uh, to the NFL. Hey, we're all done here. We appreciate all of our guests that came by boy. It is a busy busy weekend and we are just getting started. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. Please be safe and we'll see you right back here uh, same station same time next week. Take care. (laughs)
0: This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.